coming from the food truck industry, it's like I've encountered every single problem that could go wrong and I've put out every single fire that's possibly happened. So as most entrepreneurs can relate to, there's always new issues popping up every single day, especially in the food industry. So really a good entrepreneur is someone who can put out all the fires and keep pushing forward. Hi, folks. Thanks for tuning into the Food Startups Podcast. I am your host, Hema Reddy. On this show, we talk about some incredible journeys, the hurdles, the breakthroughs, the failures, and successes that shape the present and future of the food and beverage industry. So stick around for some exciting and insightful conversation. Hello, everyone. Welcome to the Food Startups Podcast, episode number 165. Today, I talk with John Sonic Bond, the founder of Grassfed Coffee, a cold brew butter coffee with MCT oil, great for folks on a ketogenic diet. My favorite part of the interview, among so many other valuable pointers, is that Sonic, along with Mark Yu, a principal at Grassfed Coffee, successfully raised $86,000 on a Kickstarter campaign back in December 2015 and broke the record for the highest funded non-alcoholic project on Kickstarter ever. They share some guidance on how to position yourself for success on a crowdfunding platform and how to devise a marketing strategy that connects with your target consumer. So stick around. This is a fun episode. So I want to share with the listeners interesting fact that I found fascinating when I started knowing more about grass-fed coffee. So John Sonic Bond goes by Sonic. Correct. You have worn several hats. You've got a reputation as DJ Sonic. You're also the godfather of the Indianapolis food truck scene. And you have a Kickstarter campaign that broke all records. Yeah, it's been a wild ride. (laughs) (laughs) That's impressive. And for the listeners, Mark Yu is a principal at Grassfed Coffee. He drives marketing and messaging and everything that comes in between. Mark, how are you? I'm awesome. Thank you so much for having us. Fantastic. So Grassfit Coffee, your journey began in 2014. Share with us as to what was the genesis and how you are doing coffee business now. Sure. Yeah. So back in 2014, as you said earlier, I come from the food truck industry and I had just finished selling one of my businesses, one of the food trucks out in Indianapolis. And I didn't really know what I was going to get into next. My plan was really just to take maybe like a year off and just kind of travel the world, enjoy myself. And at that time, a friend of mine introduced me to the concept of putting butter in your coffee, you know, bulletproof coffee. So I started putting grass-fed butter and MCT oil in my coffee. And as I started drinking this each morning, I just noticed this amazing mental clarity that would come over me and my energy was really sustained and the taste was amazing. There was no sugar in it. It was just like just this amazing, powerful beverage. And so as I began drinking this and I discovered there was no ready-to-drink version of butter coffee at that time. And so that's kind of how grass-fed coffee began. And I also understand that you started recommending coffee to all your friends and family. Mm -hmm. (laughs) What were their first reactions? Well, obviously, the concept of butter and coffee is kind of strange to most people. So they were like, are you serious? Won't this make me fat? This unhealthy for me? And so that was just kind of the initial response. And just there was like a shock and awe factor to it. So at the time, just going back to that time, that phase in your life, when you just discovered the transformation it's bringing, the mental clarity, the focus that grass-fed coffee is bringing for you as a person, from that point to actually bringing a product to the market, how was the journey? Well, as Mark can agree, it's been uh, many ups and downs, unexpected situations that are 
pop up, you know, there's many hurdles and it's been a very amazing journey of a lot of self-discovery even. Yeah, I'm sure. So I am very curious to just know a little bit more into your past before we talk about CPG. So you have a passion for music. You moved to LA and you were a very popular radio and nightclub DJ. So from there to going back to food truck into the food space, how did that transition from music into food happen? <laughs> I'm glad you asked that. Yeah, like you said, I was a DJ in Indianapolis for about 10 years on the hip hop radio station out there. And then about 2007, moved out to Los Angeles to kind of just get more into the music scene, get into songwriting and song recording at that time. And so I moved out to Los Angeles in 2007. And right around that time is when the recession was just really beginning to hit hard. Gas prices were like $5 a gallon in Los Angeles. Nobody's hiring. You know, market was crashing. And so at that time, I was literally a struggling artist in Los Angeles. And I was at that time through another person I had met, we were just kind of discussing food trucks. I told him, oh, I want to take a taco truck to Indianapolis because there are no taco trucks or food trucks. And then at that time, he said, I could probably raise the capital for it. Let's do it. And that's how that began. So I moved back to Indianapolis, started the food trucks. It took off right away. The city was so hungry for that concept to come there. And so it just did really well. I sold my stake in that company. Then I started another food truck. And then that did really well. That turned into two trucks and an actual brick and mortar. And then I sold those in 2014. And now here we're at Grassfed Coffee. <laughs> so now you're getting the hang of being a serial entrepreneur, would you say? Yeah, I would say so. I never thought I would be in business. I always thought I would be in music. But yeah, really, uh, this passion for entrepreneurship has just been amazing. No, it sounds, it sounds fascinating from where I am, from music to food truck, which is no joke either. Surviving in food truck and thriving and being able to sell it as a business, that's commendable. It's not easy. And at least from my understanding of that side of the business, it's incredibly hard. Yeah, it really is. I tell a lot of people, if you can survive the food industry, the restaurant industry, then I feel like you have the skill set to really succeed in any business. <laughs> that's right. You're ready to tackle the CPG world, right? Right. So would you say that your experience with food truck, managing it, running it as a business has positioned you to be a better businessman tackling the packaged you know, food product space? Oh, yes. 1000%. Coming from the food truck industry, it's like I've encountered every single problem that could go wrong and I put out every single fire that's possibly happened. So as most entrepreneurs can relate to, there's always new issues popping up every single day, especially in the food industry. So really a good entrepreneur is someone who can put out all the fires and keep pushing forward. And so I, I feel like it's really trained me for this next level of entrepreneurship. Wow. Yeah. We come across a lot of food entrepreneurs, some of them, like myself, transition from a tech background. Some people come from traditional food backgrounds and so on. It's interesting to see with every journey that you have, it positions you in some positive ways. It positions you to keep learning and growing and progressing. And that's what I find so interesting when I talk to other business owners, entrepreneurs, is there is no such thing as long as you are continuously striving to do something new that makes your heart beat. And you always walk away with something valuable to take away from and then pour into the next thing that you want to start in your life. So it's very impressive. Oh, thank you. Yeah, I totally agree. Yes. So going back to now at this time, you have sold your food truck business. How long did it take for you to see, okay, now I am ready for CPG? Did it just occur to you or were you on the lookout to do something in the food space or beverage space as such? 
Yeah, so that came about where it was kind of just out of the blue, I would like to say randomly, but my plan was to take a year off after selling the food trucks and just kind of really travel the world and just enjoy all the hard work I put in the past few years. As I was discovered butter coffee and I was making this, I just realized there was a niche for that product and there was no ready to drink version of that. And so it just kind of developed that way. Yes. And would you say at that time, there was this whole trend about biohacking or were you almost pioneering that trend without even knowing that it's going to become huge. I mean, soon after, I'm not sure in terms of timeline, what time, but you, I'm sure you know Dave Asprey and how he's such an outspoken person about biohacking and using it as a way to hack your own biology and gain control of systems in your body that normally you would not have access to. Were you, did you have an inclination that, oh my gosh, I'm going to, I'm on the verge of discovering something groundbreaking? Yeah, well, so... Much credit to Dave Asprey. I think the guy's a genius. Just figuring out the concept of putting uh, grass-fed butter and MCT oil with coffee it would have this effect. So once I discovered Asprey and just his Bulletproof Coffee, and I saw how it worked with the biohacking and all that, I was just really impressed. And I knew this is kind of where everything was headed. So Dave Asprey was a complete pioneer in that he kind of created this biohacking community. How did you go from the point where you've got now grass-fed coffee and in a Tetra Pak, but discovering the process of manufacturing, the early steps of CPG, share with us, for anybody that's going into the beverage industry, what would you say to do or to not do, looking back? Yeah, so initially, once we decided that we were going to move forward with ready-to-drink version of butter coffee, we started the Kickstarter project. And one of the biggest mistakes that we made, because we had no idea how long it would take to execute our concept. We assumed when we wrote the Kickstarter project that we would have everything up and running within two months of completing our project. And unfortunately, we've come to learn that in this business, everything takes longer than you expect. And so that journey turned into a three-year journey of research and development and just getting our product ready for market and making it taste and function the, exactly the way that we wanted to. So it's a longer journey than we expected, but we've come out and we're super excited about where we are now. Yeah, I'm glad you hit upon the Kickstarter project. I mean, it's not easy to be a record-breaking Kickstarter project. And if I can quote, it's the highest funded non-alcoholic project on Kickstarter ever, according to your website. What can our listeners learn in terms of what contributed to its success? If somebody wanted to model your ideal project, how would they do it? Yeah, so with that, I would think that I feel like our situation was a little unique in that we had a product that people really wanted to see. They wanted to see a ready-to-drink butter coffee on the market. So I feel like that was a big part of it. But as far as like what the average listener could take away, I would say a big key component of that is always having a really well-produced, high-quality video that can get the message across within one minute or less. And I think that was a big part of it. We had a really awesome video. Our team did a great job putting it together and really got the message through and people really gravitated towards the product through that video. Yeah, like internally, when we were working on the video, like we did an a lot of analysis on like what makes videos viral, like what interests people. And we also compared that to the other Kickstarter videos that are out there. And we opted for a shorter video with all the facts and to do it in a way, because education is such a big deal for our product, like we wanted to do it in an easy, digestible way to explain our product and get people hyped up. And we feel that it did a really good job of that for us. Thanks for sharing that. You hear about all these benchmarks about the five-second time when you use a percentage of losers, and then you lose some more in the 15-second marker. 
But it's also interesting to hear that you did some analysis. That's a really key takeaway that don't just go ahead and make a video, but really read up about what makes a video or content viral and gives the viewers a social currency kind of feeling where they feel compelled to share it with their friends. In fact, I read a book recently. Have you heard about this book called Contagious? Oh, no, I haven't. No, I haven't. It goes into exactly that as to, it just really breaks it down. It's a fascinating read for the listeners of the show as well, but it breaks it down as to why people share what they share. Oh, that's so cool. Yeah. And it's really a methodical, systematic approach. It just goes down behind the human science of what compels somebody to share something. And the key reason is they want to look good with their Mm -hmm. friends and they want to seem like they are an expert as well, just because they're sharing a piece of content. And if a video is not doing that, then we're obviously failing as content creators. Yes, I will definitely read this book. It's very interesting that you treated this more seriously than most people would in terms of creating content, the messaging, and I can see how it has worked so very well for you in terms of raising the funds. If I might ask, how much did you raise on your Kickstarter campaign? On the Kickstarter campaign, I believe it was around 86000 and that was within a two-month time period. Wow. And this is without anyone trying our products or even tasting it. So there was a huge demand for this that by creating the product, we realized that like there was a huge untapped demand for this product. My goodness, that is outstanding for a food product, not a technology. There's no IP on it as such, other than the fact that it's your custom formulation. But wow, that's phenomenal. <laughs> nice job. Thank you. Thank you. So to summarize, pay really close attention to the video, the content, the messaging, keep it short, do some research and thought into the quality of it, and make sure that whatever you're raising the funds for captures a trend. Is there another aspect that you would say would be useful to companies that will try to replicate this? Yeah, I feel like for me, what I always kind of preach to people is, especially when it comes to like messaging and marketing, is you want to keep very simplified. The more simple, the better. Because most people, they have a very short attention span, as we all know. And you don't want to try to bog them down with too many points that you're trying to get across. If you could narrow it down to just one, but ideally, the less you have, the better, in my opinion. Okay, good point. Were you ever tempted to do some hip hop, some music elements into it? Is that going to be part of the audience (laughs) strategy? It's funny you say that. It hasn't really been a part of a conscious strategy, but I think subconsciously it's sneaking in there, <laughs> just kind of through the way we uh, design our clothing, our hats, our t-shirts. And it's like subtle elements of it in there, but it's not so in your face. But yeah, I do believe that hip hop has a <laughs> small influence on this. <laughs> I would love to see that because it'll really separate the content that's talking about just regular videos versus, hey, here's a founder. <laughs> He's a DJ. <laughs> yeah. He has this really awesome product that'll help you with your sustained energy. <laughs> yeah, it's funny because people are so surprised, you know, when they meet me. I guess they have this other complete image that they made up before meeting me. And when they meet me, they're kind of like surprised. <laughs> I can believe that. Now you've got your successful Kickstarter campaign and your position, well, $86,000 is a really nice chunk of cash to get started with. Did you go into production right away or did you use that as a launch pad to raise more money or more capital before you went to market? Yeah. So with the 86K, we actually went into production right away. As we got started on this journey, we ran into a few hiccups that really just kind of caught us by surprise. So we had a production scheduled within, I think, I believe about four months after the Kickstarter ended. And in that production, we went in and there were some things, because you're messing with 
chemistry and science, right? You're trying to make fat blend in with water. And it's, so it's a crazy scientific process. And we're so excited to launch and that we're also very young and experienced, I would say. So we went in thinking this was going to come out right away. And it didn't turn out the way we expected when the first production run. And so that's kind of where we went. We went directly into production, but then we hit some pretty big issues. Mm-hmm. And were you able to solve them in a relationship with your co-packer? How did you get through those hurdles? Yes. Once we hit these issues, we discovered that we may need to try some different processes. And what looked like a huge setback at the time actually turned out to be blessing in disguise. We were set back in the timeline, but it also led us to a co-packer that we felt was just actually perfect relationship for us and just worked out really well. All right. Well, fantastic. I'm so happy to hear some stories where you can hit setbacks. And like you mentioned, I'm also realizing this fact now because I have my own food product and that it just takes so much longer. I thought we'll be up and running in a year. And two years later, we're still figuring out (laughs) our launch date. I feel your pain. (laughs) Absolutely. (laughs) (laughs) And oftentimes I wonder that it must take a crazy mindset for people to be in an industry with razor thin margins, incredible hurdles. We're dealing with supply chain systems that are still not, some of them technologically advanced. I still get sometimes emails or requests, send them faxes. And those things still exist, but it does take a certain mindset and patience and incredible passion to be and survive in this industry. So kudos to launching a successful product, to have a good following for all these really cool milestones to hit. And now you're going to debut in Bristol Farms this week, right? Or is it next week? Correct. Yeah. So we're actually in Bristol Farms now. And yeah, the response has been great. A lot of reorders have already been placed through Bristol Farms. So it seems to be moving really well off the shelves. And that's really without any marketing push yet. I see. So you don't have like a paid campaign or any kind of paid media plans going on? Or how's your marketing strategy looking like? Yeah. So we are planning on doing a big marketing push. It's just we haven't yet. So with us, we're going to focus a lot on e-commerce and online ads. And also we have a lot of street teams that will be doing a lot of samplings at these different locations, Bristol Farms and other retailers. But I think the big one for us is really just Facebook ads and Google ads, things of that nature. Because I found out Facebook is just such an awesome marketing tool to advertise to your exact demographic. So it's just so efficient with your most bang for your buck. I would say, through Facebook. Absolutely. In terms of your channel strategy, would you share, for this specific category, ready-to-drink beverages, what are you seeing in terms of your ROI? If you would compare your online channel, because you sell on your site as well, versus brick and mortar at this stage of the business? Yeah. So with e-commerce, obviously, you're getting more of the greater margin because you're cutting out a few of the middlemen. And so, and most people, obviously, Amazon's huge now. Everybody orders everything through Amazon. And so we just feel like the reach is much bigger online, obviously. So that's kind of where our efforts are going. And our philosophy in many ways is that we're not really expecting to make huge money through retail because there's so many middlemen that's taking their cut out of that. But being on the shelf is more of a way of marketing, right? It kind of validates your product. Like, okay, this is a legit product. It's on this shelf in Bristol Farms or wherever. So it's more of a marketing tool retail for us. And our focus will be e-commerce. Yes, yes, understandable. And increasingly, there is this trend of startups increasingly paying attention to e-commerce. In fact, there is a statistics out there. I was at Expo West a month ago, and there was a session where Bob Burke had shared this number where 60% 
of companies are going to focus their efforts on e-commerce as a channel. In fact, they're increasingly using e-commerce as a launch pad. Some brands are consciously not even going into distribution to start with, like companies like NutPods or Smarty Pants Vitamins that took off on e-commerce, built distribution, built a following. And Smarty Pants Vitamins has 3,000 reviews, for example. But brands oh, wow. are seeing, yeah, on Amazon, more than like the big time companies. Increasingly, it's becoming, it's giving them that cushion. Like you mentioned, there is a higher margin that you can save for yourself for your operational expenses and build your company. So they're launching brands on e-commerce, getting themselves that cushion to actually be successful on the shelf in retail. So it's interesting how the trends are changing now for CPG. So how is it looking like the next few years for grass-fed coffee? Are you going to do more flavors or just continue driving innovation in the area of biohacking? What is the vision for business and the brand? As far as short term, we really just want to get grass-fed coffee in the hands of everybody and let them know that this whole butter coffee movement is here to stay. The whole ketogenic diet is here to stay. It really works. It's the most effective. So many benefits with the ketogenic diet and incorporating butter coffee. So we just wanted to really take butter coffee to the masses, really make it mainstream. And then after that, we're expecting to come out with maybe some different, maybe possibly flavors, whatnot. And we're just going to continue to expand our uh, product line with other supplements as well. Fantastic. Fantastic. Well, so good luck with all of that. Continue following your progress. I have a question for you, Mark. You drive a lot of the marketing and messaging. What would you say is going to be your majority of focus for 2018 in terms of execution and capturing market share via marketing? So for us, this product is a very unique product in that like, there are a lot of functional benefits that can help people's lives. But the big focus for us moving forward is education, because it's all about explaining what separates our product from other products and how it can actually help people live better lives. And so my primary focus moving forward will be writing articles and creating videos that help explain grass-fed coffee and explain why people who are looking to lose weight and increase their energy and mental capacity, like how they can benefit from drinking grass-fed coffee. Fantastic. Now, do you have a team that supports you with the execution of your marketing plans or like affiliate programs or anything creative that our listeners can listen and learn from? Yeah, our website will be a really good resource. We'll have recipes for keto. We'll have supplements. We'll have articles about what to do and what to avoid on keto. And then also we'll have content coming out on our social media networks as well. So we have a lot of exciting things planned in the works. Are you planning to demo anytime soon? Are you going to attend any food shows this year or next year? In terms of trade promotions, I'm curious as to what do you have in place to get the word out there in terms of directly interacting with people, on-site events, live events? Sure, yes. Yeah. So we have a few demo teams that we're going to be focusing a lot on retail because we really want to drive sales at whatever retailer location we're at. So we have a full demo team ready to just hit the streets and really just get people to try the product, educate them about the product, and yeah, just really help drive sales at each retailer. That's kind of the direction we're going as far as street teams. We really feel that like the big thing is once people actually try grass-fed coffee and we explain all the benefits, like we feel very confident that they'll like it. So the big thing is just getting it out there and having people try it. So can you elaborate a little bit more about that? You touched upon that earlier where you want to create content and videos and blog articles explaining why grass-fed coffee is better than what else is out there. What is it? Could you share with our listeners as to why they should just go online right now and order some grass-fed coffee? 
Absolutely. So I have a personal experience with this because I didn't start off drinking butter coffee. Like before I started working for grass-fed coffee, I was very skeptical. And when Sonic and I first started talking, he was just like, just try butter coffee for a month and write a diary about how you feel and all the benefits that you try. And my little sister is actually a doctor. And so I floated it by her in the beginning and she was very skeptical. She was like, I don't know about this. It's a lot of fat. It's very dangerous. Be careful. And I tried it for a month and it was unbelievable like how much energy I had. And I'm a writer, so I need to be like on point in terms of like my mental capacity and stuff. And I have found nothing like butter coffee, like just to give you energy and just to improve your mental performance. So I tried it for a month, had ex- amazing results, lost 15 pounds. And then at the end of the month, I was like, Sonic, I don't care what it is, like we have to work together. And that was the beginning. And I think my personal experience will be very familiar with a lot of people that are new to butter coffee. And so that is like the perspective that we're going to take with the education and sort of like explaining like the benefits. Like we're going to approach this as we're new to this. We're discovering all the different benefits and all like experiencing the ups and downs that come with it. And we just want to share that with other people and create a conversation. Wow, that's phenomenal. I mean, one month and you felt better and you saw the transformation and that makes it all the more real when you share stories from your personal experience and that makes it so much more believable and the audience will immediately connect with anything that comes from a personal story. So yeah, that's fantastic. Absolutely. And I mean, the story actually like, so that was in the beginning and then I drank butter coffee and I continued to drink butter coffee. But once I actually implemented like the keto diet along with the butter coffee, I started that in November of last year. And the past year of like sort of working with grass-fed coffee, like we were so busy that like I was starting to feel very fatigued after I ate like lunch or dinner. And so once I went full keto in the three months, I've lost 35 pounds. Wow. So This really does work. And that's why like, we're so excited to share this with other people because it actually works and it really helps people. And we can't wait to share it with everyone. So let me put this together. You are drinking butter coffee. You're on a keto diet. Are you also exercising at this point? I only started exercising in January because I just wanted to see initially for the first two months, like how the diet would work. And yeah, I started working since January. And that will also be a component of education. It's like, how to strength train on keto because it is different when you're on the ketogenic diet versus like when your diet is incorporating a lot of carbs. Yes, yes, absolutely. Well, this is all so helpful. I'm, I'm sure our listeners will walk away with everything you have shared, taking your passion, bringing it to the market, but also putting your thinking hat on and strategizing before execution bringing that storytelling aspect into a business. In other words, not just focus on sales, but also work on building that community around your brand, the messaging, and make it a priority. It already comes through because we're interviewing Sonic and Mark, and Sonic is the founder and the creator of the product. And the other person we have, that's you, is driving marketing and messaging. It shows your clear focus on the intent to connect with your audience, to share your story as part of the strategy to drive the success behind the brand. Yeah, exactly. Right. And we also understand that this is a journey and we're still learning every day and (laughs) we'll be making mistakes, but we're hopefully we'll learn from those mistakes and we'll just be better off in the long run. Well, good luck to you both. And thank you for sharing your story, your journey, advice for our listeners. And for me, I mean, one of the reasons that I started doing this is to learn from other successful entrepreneurs. That's how you grow. So thank you for coming on the show today. 
Awesome. Yeah, it's been great. No, thanks for having us. You have an amazing podcast. I love the direction it goes. I love what you're doing. And you're a fantastic host. Yeah. And I'm definitely going to read Contagious. If you found value in what you just heard, take a couple minutes and subscribe to our channel. Even better, show us some love and leave a review on iTunes. Connect with us on Facebook, Instagram, or Twitter. Join the mailing list on our website so you can get notified of new episodes and learn how to build and grow your CPG business.